Hey, Steve. Hey, Chris. All right, so before we get started, we do have a bit of an important thing. Google has contacted me to tell me that they're moving podcasts out of the Google Play Music Podcast portal. They're going to just change that to like YouTube Music or something like that. And they're creating a welcome to Google Podcast Manager. But evidently you have to transfer the show. Now, I don't know if transferring the show means it'll leave the original portal. So I wanted to create it, uh, say in this episode, that maybe download Google Podcast Manager. Um, and if in a month or so you don't see a new episode, because I mean, how long, do, how long does it take for us to update? Um, check back and see... Check back and see, you know, if we're on this new podcast manager or something. Because I think I'm going to wait a couple weeks after this episode, do the transfer, and then see what happens. Um, but yeah, we're going to be moving to Google Podcast Manager. And uh, I guess everyone else is too. So if you're using Google, not iTunes, there you go. So, uh, today's topic. Gateway games, which isn't what it probably sounds like. It's like marijuana. It's, oh, you had, you had to take it directly there, man. Uh, no, it is, it, it, well, it's also not like, because I think when I brought it up with you, the idea with you, your first thought was like, oh, games that get you into gaming kind of a thing or something, or maybe games that help you get into a genre, and it's like, really what it is, is I'm thinking of game genres or styles that at one point, that at one point you did not understand, or you just weren't good at, and then there was that one game where it all clicked. Do you no? Firstly, do you have any of these, or are we just going to be talking about a bunch yeah. of games I bring up? <laughs> I have I have, a, I have a handful of those. Uh, the problem is for me. I mean, I don't know if mine are going to be quite as revelatory as some of yours. Uh, you know, <laughs> Final Fantasy VII got me into RPGs. Ooh, nobody's ever heard that one before. Uh, you know. <laughs> But uh, yeah, it'll be. I, I've got some ones to talk about. I mean, I do think there's there's at least some point, and depending on how long we're talking, we're talking about games that make people that don't usually game actually play games. Uh, but maybe not. Yeah. Well, technically, you've actually got that going on right now with your wife, as she was first. It, it started like Pokemon Go to actually playing Pokemon, and now she's playing Animal Crossing, right? Yeah. Yeah, so Pokemon so, Go... Oh, wait, no, you even... I'm sorry, because you mentioned you even had her playing Overwatch. That's right, she has played <laughs> t- two Overwatch matches. We haven't played any Overwatch since, but... Not not sticking quite as much as the Animal Crossing and stuff? No, no, I haven't really pushed <laughs> it, so... Well, there's a new Harvest Moon coming out this summer, so she might actually be interested in that. <laughs> Maybe. But no, that's that that is where that that I think is the, the sort of the traditional t- way this topic would probably go. But I guess for me to start, um, let, let's take one similar to yours. I didn't really care for most first-person shooters when I was younger. I mean, my brother sent me down <laughs> to play Doom real quick. <laughs> I only played first-person shooters. <laughs> so this is where we flip because i I didn't really play first person shooters but i loved all the final fantasy squaresoft games you played a bunch of first person shooters and then final fantasy 7 you're like oh hey what's this genre Um, yeah but that's the thing like i i I tried like my brother sat me down to play like doom when i was seven and we didn't have any music for the game 
So it was absolutely quiet. I'm I'm like eight years old or something, and all you can hear is the cackling of the the, the demons. And I'm in the basement where our computer is, which is kind of like if you remember Home Alone with the uh, Kevin was always scared of the basement. It's like, it was kind of like that. So I, I played There's that game for like, in the basement. PC speaker sounds. PC speaker sounds are creepy, like or can be if you if you had like the whatever it was yeah like on an old pc i can i totally get that and if you don't have the music going like that's pure hair metal going because that 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 i think is what changes it like it was completely silent no music all you could hear in the next room with the demons and stuff and i'm like an eight-year-old kid that's like oh no this is scary and if you had the music playing it would be more like oh yeah man i'm gonna kill some demons but um (laughs) No, it's like that. I did. I didn't get Resident Evil. I didn't get any kind of a game where shooting was a focus. Um, we did play a little bit of Medal of Honor Frontline on PS2, but I never got to beat it. It was Halo Combat Evolved that got me to understand, like, oh, this is the big deal. Which is funny because then all of my PC gaming, PC Master Race friends, of course, they were all about Half Life and stuff like that, and they were all about like, oh man, Halo, blah. like that's not a big deal. Um, but for me, it's the game that's like, oh, this is the experience that I really enjoy. This is the experience that I love. And after that, like, I just started playing all kinds of first-person shooters. I started looking forward to all kinds of them. And part of the reason, because I was looking for that, that, that same, you know, itch to scratch. And it's funny because, like, years later, we're kind of doing that with Destiny. Because Bungie just knows, on, on console at least how to make a good feeling shooter yeah definitely so it's funny halo was a different sort of gateway game for me because so you know my shooter history i've played you know i started playing shooters with wolfenstein 3d played doom played quake uh played unreal uh, I played a lot of you know Unreal Tournament going going up to that and any number I played a lot of like flight sims and space flight sims and that kind of stuff Wing Commander all those all, anything where you're and so when I played Halo I would I was I hated on Halo so much like I was always saying <laughs> oh this game is crap the controls are crap. Like, it's not that revolutionary, it's not that important, etc., etc. Um, but then that's basically what got me into cons- playing shooters on a console, uh, where eventually I just completely migrated to being a console gamer. Um, so, so it's kind of, yeah, it was, it was sort of a gateway game for me from going from PC to console, and also. And from a social perspective as well, uh, where I had set up LAN parties, you know, we kicked and scraped to get a decent game of Unreal Tournament going on our floor one time in college. Uh, and then my friend brings home his Xbox, uh, or brings me back, back to school his Xbox with Halo Combat Evolved and, you know, some trash launch titles that he got with it. <laughs> and um, I don't know. I, I, I resisted it so hard, but I did actually really change the way I played video games. Essentially, that was like, Halo was a was a gateway into that for me. Because I think we also um, when we talked about Gears of War games, you mentioned that uh, 
having memories of playing Gears, the first Gears of War, um, with your buddies during that was right after you were done college, right? That was, yeah, that was right after I graduated. Yeah, that was the time when I, when the same same group of guys, uh, we needed a second Xbox, I guess, to play four player multiplayer, play four player oh, deathmatch, yeah. and I was just I had you know I had recently gotten my first good job. Um, and we were, I was up there and I was like, you know what, let's go to Walmart. And I just bought an Xbox <laughs> 360 and bought Gears of War and bought an extra controller. And, uh, and my friend goes, this is the biggest impulse buy I've ever seen anyone make. <laughs> Which, you know, yeah. When you're, yeah. But, uh, yeah, so, so that yeah, wouldn't have happened if it weren't for Halo. If it yeah. weren't for Halo, right? If it weren't for Halo, that wouldn't have happened. Uh, you know, I would have, I would, I would still be, I might still be, you know, PC Master Race, um, all about my like 120 FPS at max detail setting <laughs> and all that stuff. So we probably wouldn't have as much to talk about the two of us. Probably not. <laughs> So it all started with Halo. No, actually, it probably all started with Final Fantasy VII in that regard as well. But that's... um, Do you actually want to talk about that then? Or do you want to move... Do you have another oh, game? Oh, are you talking about, so, uh, about Halo or about Final Fantasy VII? Final Fantasy VII. That's a, okay, so I mean, that's an interesting one for me because... Again, so we're talking... It was... I, I can't... I have to double check exactly. Maybe 98 when the PC port came out. It was a little after, yeah. Yeah, it was a little bit after the the the, play, the original version. So again, yeah, um, I play shooters. Um, I play, you know, various forms of you know action flight simulator. Not like an actual flight simulator, like you know, uh, descent kind of style or free yeah, space? descent. I played you know descent, descent free space. Um, you know, I think Wing Commander Prophecy had come out recently and was kind of oh, disappointing. You you, uh, you 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 were talking about that being a uh, very important game in your life. Well, Wing Commander Four, which was amazing, is followed up by Wing Commander Prophecy, which is one of those games that demonstrated that the oh, EA, the origin under EA, did not understand what made the previous Wing Commander games great, and they sort of doubled down on the wrong things. Uh, Makes sense. With, with prophecy. Wait, 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 wait. So, was that the first game published by EA in Wing Commander? I'm not. I'm not sure that it was, but I think it was. It might have been. I think it was one of those situations where it's been a while since I've even thought about this. I think it was one of those <laughs> situations where EA was publishing Origin games, and then EA purchased Origin. Or something like that. And so either 4 or Prophecy was the first one to come out as a origin, an EA-owned origin. I'm going to have to look at this timeline because I'm starting to, like, my mind's just kind of going. And I'm like, I wonder if that's where the film rights to Wing Commander came about. Like, if that's how Wing Commander the movie because it was like an EA license thing. Like EA worked with Hollywood and then the actual creators weren't involved. And then you get Freddie Prince Jr. And everything like that. Like we still need to watch that movie for this podcast too. We do. We do. Um, 
And Dana but, will hate every moment of it. Oh, yes, I'm sure. It's, a, it's an all-time classic with Matthew Lillard and Freddie Prince Jr., <laughs> uh, who were once almost household names. Uh, so, so anyway, so I'm, I'm looking for, you know, an engaging story and, and all these other things that, that were part of the Wing Commander series, but I just loved... So for me, the closest I got to anime was like watching some Sailor Moon and like Voltron, like some of those import shows like Voltron yeah. uh, or some of the... There were a couple... I'm blanking on the names right now. There were a couple of late 80s American-made but Japanese style, like kind of like Transformers. Not like yeah, not Transformers, but I mean, I did watch Transformers. Um, shoot, there's the one where they were like in space, but they were kind of like cowboys. And oh man, what was that called? Firefly. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was a it was a cartoon um, in the late '80s. Oh man, I'm gonna kill myself for not, not remembering what that is. That's, that's the worst. Anyway, I don't know what the shows there, there are a handful of shows like that. I'll uh, I'll find it later. While you're talking, I'll Google it and shout it out, randomly <laughs> interrupting you. So, so I didn't really. So, like for people who had were into Dragon Ball and stuff like that, some of these design choices and other things weren't as. Um, uh, I don't know what foreign, is. Revelatory or something like Revelator, wow, okay. Like, like like this is something. These are this is art and design that is unlike anything I've ever seen. Essentially, um, interesting. No, it's funny. You're right, so I never actually the exaggerations, the exact the giant sword and the spiky hair, and like Sephiroth, like Cloud has this like you know the sword that's like as thick as him, and then Sephiroth has this katana blade that's like as tall as him or taller oh, taller yeah yeah it's, well depending on is, is it the chibi sephiroth or is it the <laughs> you know uh, a realistic model and so it just kind of blew me away and initially you know the stuff that gets you okay like what like i hit like attack attack magic thunder <laughs> what what is this uh, so that took some getting used to um, but now anyone who talks with me about games knows like Final Fantasy is one of my favorite series. Um, in the PS2 era, like I played so many bad JRPGs. It's a lot of good ones too. And I don't, lots of J on the Vita and on the PS3. And that's like, that's been one of my, one of the things I crave are just great JRPGs. And, uh, so yeah, so so Final Fantasy was my gateway into that, but your Final Fantasy experience, I guess, is a little bit different. Very different, because uh, I played the very first one on the NES, and then, and as I covered on that 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 Facebook meme thing, as I covered for me, Final Fantasy IV was the game, and I've I've spoken it just about everywhere that I could speak it. Is Final Fantasy IV for me was the game that was like. Oh wow! These games can tell stories, and they can be dramatic, and they can do all the things that all the grown-up stories do. And even though now looking back, it's like this was kind of told in a silly manner. Back then, you're seven years old; you don't know what is and isn't good or bad storytelling. But I knew the game wasn't being condescending, 
and mm. I think and that's what made the biggest difference to me as a kid what shows I enjoyed depended on which ones felt condescending like I never got into Rugrats because Rugrats felt like okay this is for children therefore it's going to be and there there are like in hindsight some grown-up gags and there are things that like adults be like oh that's cute but for me it's like what is a show that doesn't treat me as if I'm less intelligent and um like Mighty Max is a good example um especially because people actually died in that show uh, and when I was a kid I thought that meant maturity it's like they think I can actually handle this in a mature fashion um but for video games like Final Fantasy 4 had all of that, and I think it's one of the reasons that, you know, growing up, I didn't care about, like, the Saved by the Bell or 90210, and a lot of the children's television I didn't care about, because Final Fantasy... Just, just to be clear, and, 90210 was, like, not children's television. This is true, except everyone when I was in, like, fourth and fifth grade were watching it because everyone was in a rush to grow up. Yes, that's true. But anyway, Saved by the Bell but, was... Anyway, by the best editing was the, the Hey Dude and Clarissa Explains It All. I didn't really care for these shows um, because I was playing like Final Fantasy. I was playing the Secret of Mana and stuff. And these are the games that as I was growing up had, and even like Super Metroid doesn't have a big story, but it was a game that I'm playing. This is of course now almost completely off topic because it's like... Well, actually, I, I don't think it is because I think Super Metroid is a great seg. Um, into another genre that I know you want to talk to. Uh, talk to? I'm going to talk to the talk genre. To. You want to, <laughs> the, another genre that you want to talk about that you've been you've been finding yourself pulled into more and more recently through through a gateway of sorts. And yes. that gateway was actually in a in a totally different series that you wouldn't have expected that series to morph. Am I am I correct here? I think so. <laughs> I think we're following the same thing. Okay, so what you're getting on with is... Um, so, against all odds, because I think even on the podcast, I discussed having negative experiences with Dark Souls, right? Mm -hmm. I played a little bit of Demon Souls. I played the first Dark Souls, and getting stuck on the Taurus Demon's legs and everything, like, I hated that. And... I, I, like basically that's where it's like okay this game's not for me and I stepped away from it and then years later I finally try Sekiro because it looks like it's a faster paced action game kind of a thing and I completely completely did not like that so in my mind I'm like okay I don't really like these Souls-like games except in 2018 I played Darksiders 3 Darksiders 3 draws from a lot of different sources one of them being the Metroid Prime kind of element you get it's got complete ripoff uh, gameplay elements like you got the 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 gravity suit you got the spider ball in there you have an equivalent to the various suit kind of a deal like you have all these things from metroid and it's trying to do that kind of a world design but it's also got combat influence from the dark souls kind of series where it's still character action like drag uh, devil may cry and all that stuff but they want you to be more cautious. They don't want you to go up against whole hordes of enemies like you do in Devil May Cry or uh, Bayonetta or anything else like that. They want you to kite enemies, take them one at a time, like fight smart. 
so you're still going to be able to fight quickly against those specific enemies. You're going to do the Bayonetta style dodge timing where it slows briefly and you can do a counter. Like they have these elements to it, but it's faster paced. But what this game taught me was that kiting strategy. It taught me that, oh, these items I pick up that become the, the, the soul-like currency, I don't want to use those until I'm at the guy that I level up at. I don't want to just pop these because then if I die, I lose them and I have to go get them back. Um, so it, it taught me some of that basic sort of approach and mentality so that when Nolan finally convinces me to go in and try Bloodborne, I still got a lot to learn about the game, but I'm able to go in and be like, okay, these are the things that I save. These are the enemies I kite. I don't try and tackle these guys all at once. And now me and Nolan, you know, we've been streaming Bloodborne. We've been, we've gotten pretty far. We're, I think, I think we're past two thirds. I think we're in the final third of the game. Um, and it's suddenly got me like you know what maybe i do want to try more of this maybe i do want to give dark souls another try maybe i do want to and i downloaded the code vein demo which you played for her all of like what five seconds because art style was ridiculous and I'll well, i was just yeah it wasn't particularly engaging on, on a lot of levels for me and then the art style i was just like no it is it is an awful awful it's funny because the one thing Bloodborne and, Dark, and I, I got it with Dark Souls too. It's like, oh, create your character. And it's got all this stuff that I have no idea what it's talking about. Like, I don't know which items of these I should start with. I don't know. Like, I feel like the game wants you to just be like, look, create the most basic guy, play for a little while, and then tr create a whole new character. And that's your real run. Like, create the guy <laughs> for you to flail around uselessly and then create your actual character that you're going to play through as. Um, I feel like that's part of their design philosophy. But um, Code Vein's the exact opposite. Code Vein's like, we're going to put you through a whole boring tutorial section just to explain how one mechanic... Because the big, the big thing to Code Vein is that it's a Souls-like, but you can change your class at any time. That's the, the gimmick. Um, other than, you know, incredibly anime. And honestly, like, you know, I, I love anime. I clearly do. But this anime aesthetic... I'm not so big on. It's some kind of weird post-apocalyptic hot topic. Like, like it's like if you took Darksiders but made Darksiders awful. And I know there's a lot of people that already don't like Darksiders art. So like, Dark, Darksiders is kind of like is like Todd McFarlane run through the WWE like like I, I don't know like. <laughs> Is Joe Matarera, who who is a big video game fan. Like he loved Final Fantasy. He loved all that stuff. So you got a Western yeah. comic book artist that's inspired in part by Japanese role-playing games and other game art. Yeah, I guess it gives yeah, him that's, this, that's it, it yeah, gives I, him a like if you really want to understand Joe Mad's art in some ways, I think look at Battle Chasers. Because Battle Chasers is a fantasy story that is I think more accessible to people. Because the thing with Darksiders is he's drawing monsters, he's drawing demons, so you have this sword that's got all these screaming faces uh, in it. Uh, don't get me wrong, I, I love the like Darksiders art style. Like I love it for yes. what it is, but like it, I guess not, it doesn't, what I was gonna say is it's sort of like those things, but like good. Somehow. Yes. <laughs> Co <laughs> like, Covain, meanwhile, is let's take Darksiders, make it anime. 
and it somehow looks even more poser hot topic style like it's 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 not that good <laughs> but i played the demo i played the demo to completion and it's like you know what maybe later like it was on sale today for like 36 bucks which is like nah it's too much that's too much still um i'm not gonna go for it yet but um so yeah like darksiders 3 is what basically got me to better understand this genre that beforehand I hadn't understood. Um, even to the point that I now understand why Hollow Knight, the game, has the size of the world it does. Because it's not... Its world is, of course, inspired by the Metroid franchise kind of a deal, but it's also combining it with the even greater world and exploration that you get with a Bloodborne. But yeah, like that's where like I have that sort of game like now now it's like I, I i started a character i didn't get time to actually play a little bit maybe after we record but um i got dark souls remastered on sale so now i will be trying that out again um it was cheap fortunately and was we'll, i don't know we'll see maybe like i will still reject those games and bloodborne's like the one maybe dark siders 3 will really get me to understand it and i have another comparison later on but let's jump to a game that you might have like another game that you might have had that open opened up a whole new genre for you kind of a deal that's see one of the ones that that kind of came to mind is um it's sort of a, a genre that i opened up to and then closed up to again um and that's a myth uh for real-time strategy games are you familiar with the oh, Myth series at all? That's also Bungie, right? That was Bungie before Halo. Yeah, that was like old school Bungie, pre-Halo Bungie. Yeah. After Marathon, before Halo. Okay, yeah. So, one of the things I had... So, like, obviously if you've played, you know, Warcraft and Starcraft, there's a lot of resource management and other stuff going on in there. Um, and one of the things that always that made Myth, which I got, like, as a birthday present I feel like as like a somebody my dad like saw it in like a bargain bin kind of deal um, a couple you know a few years after it had come out and uh, and gave it to me for my birthday along with some other stuff but like I, and so I checked it out and it was like oh this is actually kind of freeing because the one of the things with myth is your your units are set at the start. And so every mission should be completable with this set of units, essentially. Now, there are some things where, like, as units survive from mission to mission, they get stronger. And so you can sort of snowball some of that where you have more powerful units because they survived. But it sort of, it took away this uh, this stress of, of other real-time strategy games where you're... you're your half half the game is real resource management. Half the game is actually the battle strategy, um, and so from there, like I did play a couple of the Warcraft games. I did, you know, I played like Age of Empires and Age of Mythology. I actually played. I remember playing online a little bit with Age of Mythology, and almost getting into that. Um, but that's one that didn't really stick. 
I guess in my transition to consoles, uh, I feel like Warcraft 3 was the last RTS I really played with to any um, any amount. Um, well, I, I'd have to ask other people because I don't know when some of the other... Because I know at some point Command & Conquer goes downhill. I know at some point, like just about every... Like in my mind, I'm wondering if Warcraft 3 was like the last great RTS game to release, kind of a thing. Um, like I don't, I don't know that time frame because at some point, even the RTS kind of hit a. Uh, actually, honestly, it's around when Xbox 360 comes around and people are converting more to console development because you had a couple attempts to create RTSs on the Xbox 360. They tried with Halo Wars. They tried a Middle Earth game. They tried. Um, the uh the there was an alien versus predator i did i did play halo wars i did play halo wars a little bit i didn't really got into that but i I think i I, I, I don't remember so yeah my it might be partly that the genre died uh or not died but the genre sort of sort of like space flight sims um i seem to latch on to dying genres space (laughs) flight sims and triple a real-time strategy games so uh (laughs) Well, in some of these cases, it's like, it's like nobody even bothered to try. Like, my, the biggest thing that frustrated me about the RTS is, yeah, you don't have a whole keyboard to make hotkeys with, but you could have probably done a lot with an RTS on the Nintendo Wii, but nobody bothered to try. And you probably could have done something mm. with the Wii U since you had the gamepad with the touchscreen, but nobody, nobody bothered, to, bothered to try. And it's probably in some ways because these systems are underpowered compared to the other consoles, but at the same time... Are you really trying to have the fanciest stuff on a in an RTS anyway? Well, you kind of because you're the, what's what makes the RTS interesting is a large number of dynamic units um, where you know you're running pathfinding AI for for dozens of units on both sides, and you're running you know in modern 3D RTSs, you know you're running particle effects and other things that can be happening on a pretty large scale depending. Now granted if you were if I were a designer and I'm saying okay I'm designing an RTS for the Switch or for the Wii, I'm probably imagining something that's a little bit more scaled down. Maybe going back, maybe something a little bit more like Myth. Um, well, what's interesting is Myth also ended up being a gateway to me for what was another one of my favorite genres for a while that also kind of died, um, which I think they're trying to bring back. And that's the um, that's sort of Bioware original Black Isle RPG, Bald Baldur's Gate, and Icewind Dale, Isometric and RPG, Planescape. yeah, Isometric RPGs. That's that's what I was looking for. <laughs> <laughs> and the original Fallout and all of those, where um, it's like where myth it's was one alive. word, one word you were you, you 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 were looking for, just one word because RPG we all know, but it's one word that's all you need. Yeah, but the other the other end of RPGs, um, so kind of myth and Final Fantasy sort of converged there to get me into like okay, well, what are these other Final Fantasy show me RPGs were cool. And then Myth showed me that, you know, this sort of isometric strategy element was cool. So let's, like, put them together and play some of these Western RPGs yeah. of the time. Point, uh, click, and hotkey. 
Yeah. And um, and so yeah, so I, I, those were that was those were some of my favorite games in the late '90s, early 2000s. I remember keeping my roommate up at night. I was doing like my second playthrough on Baldur's Gate two. And he hears me like click 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 click. <laughs> He's like, "I'm trying to sleep. Can you stop clicking so much?" <laughs> you know what's funny is I've never played StarCraft. I could probably recognize a good portion of sound effects and lines from it, partially because they stole a bunch of lines from movies like Aliens, uh, but also partially because my freshman year roommate loved that game. So every day I'd hear him playing kind of a deal. And yeah, I'd hear like, we're in the pipe five by five. I'd hear um, some of the other, like, I can't think of any off the top of my head now. Again, I never played it. I only heard it. But if you had someone like just start playing it, I'd probably start to be like, oh yeah, man, that makes me think back to freshman year to a game I never (laughs) played. Uh, But um, no, it's interesting that myth then sort of introduce something of an element to to two completely like like one related genre one completely unrelated one um but i guess for the last one i wonder if the last one we each have a different gateway for though because for me it's like the character action game which i had played before it clicked um because hmm. i had played devil may cry 4 i played ninja gaiden 2 I played the original Ninja Gaiden as well, just never beat it. I played Ninja Gaiden 2. I played Bayonetta and did not quite get it. I think the game that it finally clicked, like it was sort of a combination of things. It was, I think, a combination of Wonderful 101 and, of all things, DMC Devil May Cry, the Ninja Theory 1. Which I know you also, like, you and me both have this, like, you know what, that game wasn't really that bad. It's like, the story was kind of awful, but the actual gameplay wasn't that bad. And I think... Speaking of Hot Topic Apocalypse. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, good goodness. Like, the, um... <laughs> and it's funny, too, that we live in a day and age where the initial trailer, people were flipping out, they're like, Dante's smoking? Dante doesn't smoke. Why is Dante smoking? And it's like that there there are people that were at the time like teenagers and in their 20s that were like flipping out because this big game character is now a smoker. Like, this is horrible. (laughs) It's kind of funny. What are we teaching the children? (laughs) But the, the, the thing is for some of the reasons and I've seen a lot of um, people that are really big into the character action genre that were really big into Devil May Cry 3 4 the whole series really love Bayonetta like people that are really good at these games talk about all the issues DMC Devil May Cry has and I can't argue that some of these issues exist but the game was designed in a fashion that I suddenly was able to get it and through playing DMC Devil May Cry, I was able to, like, better understand, okay, this is the flow of how the character action works. And Wonderful 101 was a little bit like that as well. Like, you, you start to get used to playing a certain way that is fast-paced, but more intentional. And it's funny because mm. this is where, you know, I've talked to people in the past about, like, 
from software versus these character action kind of things because it's like these games are difficult too and they require good skill they just require you to be faster with your reflexes and then other people be like oh no it's blah 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 like if it, it's funny because it probably is the difference between the twitch quick reflexes nature of doom quake 2 those games versus the more methodical uh overall slower paced halo it probably is comparable in that regard but for a lot of people it's like oh no these games are like all oh, hack and slash kind of a thing you button mash and it's like if you button mash you will do badly and they will punish you for it that's one of the reasons that i had a bad time with bayonetta because when i first played bayonetta i did a whole lot of button mashing and what happened i used a whole lot of healing items in order to beat it now i'm a lot better at these games to the point that oh, what was i playing i mean i just played Darksiders 3 and I did a heck of a lot better uh, than my first playthrough of that but like it, it, it's weird that as I get older like I'm about to turn 35 and at this point a lot of people's skills start to deteriorate in some ways they start getting worse at a lot of these games and maybe if I played competitive then that would be more obvious than it already was how would I know I'm already bad at competitive but the um <laughs> Like, as I get older and my reflexes are supposed to deteriorate, I'm getting better at these games that require reflexes. Um, it's kind of a weird thing, but that's, again, like, DMC simplified things in the right way while still having the focus on you want to air juggle, you want to do this, you want to do that. It just also added in you want to use the 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 light weapon, the the like the light blue weapon on these guys or in this situation you want to use the dark right. red weapon on these guys or this situation, which a lot of character action people hated, but for me it helped get into that flow. And I know you yeah. played I know you played Ninja Gaiden 2 and stuff, but did that help you get the genre or was there something so, else that helped? So, I would say, like, I had played Ninja Gaiden, um, I played Devil May Cry, um, I played some other stuff, like, uh, like, Shinobi. Did you ever play Shinobi on PS2? That was supposed to be a remake of the Genesis games. They were trying to do what Ninja Gaiden, like, Tecmo did with Ninja Gaiden, right. yeah. Yeah, basically, yeah, sort it. of trying to do the, the same thing, um, but it was a lot different. I could almost, I, it's been a long time, but I could almost see Shinobi on the going back as like a proto Souls like. I mean, I thought it felt more punishing than Ninja Gaiden in a lot of ways. Um, less mashable. Uh, I mostly mashed so up until so I mostly mashed my way through that those sort of games. Honestly, like going back to Devil May Cry, I don't know how I beat Devil May Cry <laughs> the first time I beat it because I was not good. I'm not sure a lot so of the people game. Know. That's true. So now, now part of this is like, so my history, and I'm realizing this now as it's my they're sort of coming back for me. My history with that goes back to not the Xbox Ninja Gaiden, but the 2D action platformers on the NES. <laughs> like the original Ninja Gaiden, like Castlevania, um, and, and but the game that I think taught me how to play character action games 
and play them well was actually Heavenly Sword on the PS3. Uh, also Ninja Theory. Also Ninja Theory. And what what Heavenly Sword taught me that I never got to... One of the things that is my biggest flaw in any of these games is blocking. <laughs> any kind of blocking, I just don't like to block. Like, please don't make me block. That's perfect. So, You'll but, love Bloodborne. <laughs> so... But I did, like, when I played Dark Souls, like, I got, I learned the block and parry timing. But before I did that, I learned it in Heavenly Sword, which is one of the, the only games I've ever come back and beaten on hard, the hardest difficulty. Um, oh, really? Yeah, it was one of the very, very few. I don't usually do that. Um, and what it taught me was, actually, was patience in combat. Because the, the combat in Heavenly Sword is, like, really reactionary. Um, where a lot of the combat comes, you're waiting for the attack animation to block. And then once you parry the first guy, you can start chaining, 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 chaining off that initial parry. So like the most important thing to do is almost to get the first parry and then you start your, your chain. And so it basically, it forced me in order to do well in the game to learn how to block and parry and react and be patient rather than just being like attack, 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 mash, 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 mash. You know what's uh, funny? You know what's funny? Because there's, because recently I've been going back and um, I'm probably going to do it some more, the original Darksiders. And my habit in a lot of games is to look for the dodge. Because instead of just blocking, I want to get out of there completely. Um, but with Darksiders, like, I don't even know what I did the first time I played through that game and beat it because I wasn't so good at the character action yet. And over my last playthrough that I was doing, when I was originally recording some footage for it, um, I started to learn, okay, this game's got a block slash parry, let's start experimenting with that. And it's like that realization that I've been playing the game wrong. Because <laughs> there's only there's very few situations you want to use War's dodge in those games, because it's it's a quick dodge, but then it has a long recovery, so you you get out of danger real quick, but then you're in danger for longer. Versus the block, any attack is canceled by the block, so you will be mid swing, and if you hit that block button, he'll stop and he'll block. So you want to block more than you um, dodge. And if you time your block right, you get to do the parry. You know, you get to do your counterattack. Right. The, and, and like, you know, playing this the last time I was playing was like, oh my goodness, how did I ever beat this game without knocking the difficulty down? Because I'm like, it's like, I feel like I unlocked a secret. I feel like I'm galaxy brain. Like, <laughs> And it's like when you get, and it's also like this is a game I already liked, but now it's like, oh man, I love this game even more because I get it. I get what the developers were trying to do. Now it's still not perfect, and the same can be said for Darksiders Three. Like I, can, I'm, I might, we might have a special podcast episode of me and Nolan, um, who we usually you know play Destiny and stuff with. We've mentioned him before. Because uh, he's been playing Darksiders 3, and we might I, I might be able to record a podcast with him where me and him discuss Darksiders 3, so we might have a special spoiler cast there. Um, but 
I completely lost track of my my lost train of thought. <laughs> but um, just playing, learning, learning to play the game. Yes, right, yes, yes. So, and I think that's again, like it's been more credit to DMC Devil May Cry than it is Wonderful 101 because Wonderful 101 does a lot of great stuff. But Wonderful 101 is also very much okay. Switch to this weapon for this enemy. Switch to this weapon for this enemy. Which is funny because it's in that way like what DMC Devil May Cry did with the colored enemies, the color coordinated enemies. Um, but it's it's stuff like that which also makes the game more accessible. So it's like okay, I'm not so good with combos, and I, it's also made me more comfortable because even though now I like and I appreciate. Um, Bayonetta, I know Bayonetta is never going to be a favorite of mine because its combos are too complicated, too over the top. Like, there's too much to it. So, but yes, like now this is a genre that I've been, and it's funny too because I've kind of gone through, we've kind of gone through phases, only not in the exact order. Because first, I loved role playing games, right? They're my favorite genre. Then Halo happened. And then for the longest time, first-person shooters were, like, my number one genre. Then, uh, you know, DMC Devil May Cry happens, and it's like, oh, man, these character action games are some of my favorite games. And now we're kind of bringing it kind of full circle because I love the Metroid franchise probably more than a lot of, than just about any other franchise at this point. It is the franchise I keep going back to where I even love Metroid Other M. And would regularly hmm. replay that if I could have all my consoles always hooked up. Um, and now it's like, thanks to Darksiders 3, it's like I'm getting a game that gets elements of that, but com like, like that's where now Bloodborne and Darksiders 3, it's like these are merging elements I love about these genres together. And maybe now I have found a new subgenre of both of those. It's like, you know, yeah. it's like if someone's like, okay, it's like you have, oh, I'm trying to think of a good subgenre of metal. Actually, no, it's like oh, Wagaki Band. I just found Wagaki Band. They're a Japanese band that's like hard rock metal, but also has a lot of traditional Japanese music elements, and it creates something new. So. There you go. Well, yeah, that's, that's that. And now we're back to my transition from <laughs> Metroid to these, you know, souls born, whatever. Yep. I, I honestly, like, a lot of think about if you think about the, I played Metroid on the NES, you know, back when it was fairly new. I've and never beaten the original Metroid. I played every game in this. Okay, I, I gotta admit, I've beaten the original Super, uh, Metroid Two on the Game Boy. I've beaten Super Metroid so many times. I've played through Metroid Fusion, Metroid Zero Mission, the Metroid Prime trilogy. I played Metroid Other M. I even have Federation Force that I beat. I beat both Metroid Two remakes. But I did not ever beat the original Metroid. I will completely own up to that. <laughs> I actually, I actually have not beaten it either. But when I think about the experience of playing it, where it's it's this sort of like dark, oppressive world that you're not really sure what's going on and. There are some similarities just coming right into it to how you feel and you slowly open up this world that you're in and you slowly start to understand it and, and sort of master it as you master other abilities and things. There are some similarities in that in 
in what the the Souls series does, where you're like, um, you like start out and you're like, okay, like here I am in this. I guess in Bloodborne, it's like a city. Uh, Yarnum. It starts out in c- central Yarnum. Yep. Yeah. And it's sort of like, and you're just kind of lost. Like, where do I even go? Do I go to the left? Do I go to the right? Like, what's going to kill me first? And the then by the time... What's that? The werewolf. <laughs> the werewolf. Yes, the werewolf is what's going to kill you first. Uh, anyway, I'm getting get ahead of myself. But I, it's kind of interesting to see how, like, the ideas from games of the past sort of become reborn in unexpected ways in current games. Um, and lately I've been on a like old school like lo-fi platformer kick. So who knows what's up with that. Because you beat the messenger again evidently. Yes, yes. So I've now spent like um, probably like 25 hours with the messenger. Have you played That's a lot. Have you played any of Hollow Knight? No, I never played Hollow Knight. I'm wondering how you would feel about that because that's actually a really good game the thing is i found that game's world is big enough and also open-ended enough that after a month of not playing it on my first playthrough i came back and i had no idea what to do like that is a game you have to play as a main game start to finish i think so Hmm. it, it should be a game that your kids are fine watching it shouldn't have any content that's like overly gross, you know, violent kind of a right, thing. Right, yeah. Um, yeah. So if one I'll day you out. play that, let me know because I need to f- play through and finish it. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm doing Gato Robato right now, which is a, um, like, I think it's, it's a, it's a sub one hour, like, no glitch speed run, but it's probably going to be about three to four hours for like a, a playthrough for me um, but the um, yeah maybe I'll check it out after that I'll probably play I'll probably try to like do a speed run on God of Robado after I beat it but. we'll have to see because right now um, I also started a new game in Shadow Complex just because I was like you know I I haven't played this game in a while and I'm kind of in the mood for Metroidvania and it's really interesting how linear that game is and nobody realizes it because like at that time people were criticizing Metroid Fusion was linear, Metroid Zero Mission holds your hand too much and I'm playing this game and it's like even if I turn this blue line off this is a really linear game so it's uh it's really interesting maybe one day one day when I can hook up all my machinery right I can do an analysis of that which I guess to lead things towards its conclusion, I did create, I did finish up my Ocarina of Time video, 37 minutes of me overanalyzing an old game. Um, go to Ramble Pack uh, on YouTube, Ramble Pack 64, or RamblePack64.com. Um, but in the meantime, I'm trying to bounce around between um, games, figure out what I want to make my next video on. And one of those that's a maybe is, I think at some point I will be making a Bioshock video. Because I got the collection on Switch, and I've gone back to it, and it's interesting how I like exploring the world of Rapture. I like being able to get the actual, tangible, oh, you went into this corner, here's the shotgun. Oh, you went over here, here's the fire plasmid. Like, it rewards you for exploration. But at the same time... 
by the third level, I guess you could call it, the combat is starting to lose me. And it's like, this is a game I've beaten at least four or five times and loved. And now, years later, it's like, this combat is not holding up nearly as strongly as it used to for me. <laughs> and I find that kind of thing interesting. So we'll see, especially because some of my gripes I know they solve in Bioshock 2. So it's just, it might be an interesting journey through, but I don't know if that's going to be like the next video or not. Um, I'm also going to try a couple other games to go through and play. So we'll see what happens. I'm doing a lot of recording, trying to find what makes me feel enthusiastic. So, and meanwhile, nice, sounds good. Uh, you got any links, anything we should be? Uh, yeah, I know. I do nothing. You do nothing. Uh, Except for I your day nothing. job, which we're not going to be linking to, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, you know, buy some headphones. <laughs> buy, some <laughs> uh, buy some headphones. Bloom Audio. Uh, but the uh, no, yeah, I don't have a lot going on with that. I, I keep on saying I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I'm going to st stream some Overwatch. Or I even made a new. I, I'm, I'm Smurfing in Overwatch right now. Uh, I made a new account. Smurfing is when you. I'm not really Smurfing because I was never really a high level player. But it's when a high-level player makes a new account so that they're like they start at the bottom again. Basically, the reason I'm doing it is because I made like massive improvements in my Overwatch game, but I've also been playing in the competitive queue with my eight-year-old son, and somehow, after finishing his placements and losing four out of five placements. I lost like over a hundred S skill ranking, skill points, whatever, SR, and he actually got placed higher than me. <laughs> and so I'm like, you know what, let me just, let me, and then basically the way that the placements work, you, you, every season you do placements, but if you've already done placements, you're, it doesn't really change anything. Huh. So I'm making a new account to do new placements. To, to basically just see, like, okay, am I am I actually just sort of getting artificially knocked, knocked down, down here? Yeah. Or, like, am I really just that bad? <laughs> uh, but anyway, I thought about streaming the experience just to, like... Because if you go on Overwatch boards, there's a lot of talk about being hard stuck and things like that. But I, I just haven't gotten around to it, so... And your hard stuck is like when you're like I'm really like a platinum diamond player but I'm stuck in gold because of the algorithm that always matches me with bad players and uh, I'm not the problem everyone else is the problem yep uh, isn't that always the case yes uh, so I'm, I'm trying to de determine once and for all scientifically am I the problem yeah <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, me and Nolan even know that. We'll be playing Bloodborne. Something will go wrong. And we'll be like, ah, it's Steve's fault. <laughs> I'm just sending you bad vibes over yep. the inner tubes. <laughs> Honestly, the, the real shame of it is I still want... And Bloodborne does get close. Bloodborne kind of has forced like single player and then you can do multiplayer and a lot of those. You can play the majority of that game co-op. It is closest to this is the co-op action game i want to play with everybody like i want a character action or even just that kind of an like a slower action just an action game that we could play co-op 
through a story, through a world. Like, it is so close. Like, I, I need something like that. There's nothing that's, like, the perfect thing I have in my mind. The perfect idea I have in my head, but... Alright, that sounds like a good time for us to, uh, wrap it up. Get ready for bed, because we're old men. So, yes. uh, any last words? Old men. Stay safe. Yes, yeah, stay safe, everyone out Don't there. Don't get eliminated. <laughs> stay safe, everyone out there. Um, and, uh, thanks for listening. And, uh, yeah, we'll see you next time. And remember... Google Podcast Manager. Get that loaded up on your phone or whatever. Get that ready so that when we transfer the show, you can know to look for it. And I'll probably be doing the transfer a couple weeks. Um, and hopefully it won't disappear from the old one. Because it says, it says click, to, click to transfer to Podcast Manager from Play Music Podcast Portal. Doesn't mean it'll be on both, but it could be. I don't know. We'll see. So, all right, either way, have a good night, everybody. Good night.